It comes down to one play. And if you don't get this one play right, you're essentially Vince Young, if he doesn't score on this play, is going to be erased. Yeah, erased he's, from he's forgotten. Uh, his name may never be spoken again, you know, especially not in the way that it's spoken of now. And so he had his moment right here, fourth and five, 26 seconds left with the national championship on the line. This was his moment. He's going for the corner. All right, Will, here we are. Season one, episode two. Episode one in the books. Hopefully you go listen to that. That was game six of the 1998 NBA Finals. Today, we're doing what is widely hailed as the greatest college football game of all time, which is the 2006 Rose Bowl. The storylines, the hype, everything that went into this game, the two teams, we're so excited to get into all of it. Uh, We watched the game, what was it, three days ago, four days ago? Yeah. And uh, I just had completely, not completely forgotten. I always remembered that game as being great. Maybe it's just because we're recording in the middle of summer and we haven't watched football in six months. But I just loved that. I've loved watching that so much. I don't know what it was about it, but it's just like the memories, the nostalgia, the watching football again just made me so pumped and excited. Definitely a combination of all those things. The offseason is long and painful, and this was a nice little taste of what's to come. The nostalgic element to what was such a great game that we watched together, and as we talked about in the basement of our old house, we can remember exactly where we were when this game happened. It was sure fun to watch it again and and just to see like you said, football on the TV again. It really is one of this game is really is one of those things where you remember where you were. Like every person and fan that I talk to, friend, when I talk about this game, everyone remembers what they were doing when this game happened. It was that kind of like momentous. Everything that happened, you know, USC coming in on a 34 game winning streak, two Heisman's on their team, maybe one of the most stacked and talented college football teams ever. And then on the other side, you have this Texas team that had won the Rose Bowl the year before and had a young quarterback who had been beaten out the high. And like the 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 storylines were incredible. And usually in games like that, it's very difficult for the game to live up to the hype, live up to the to the lead up into the what what the the fans and what the the media makes of it. And this one absolutely did. Yeah, it, it totally did. And I felt like going into the game, and. I don't know that we'll talk about this too much, but there is a 30 for 30, an ESPN 30 for 30 about this game um, called Trojan Horse. and Trojan War. Trojan War. That's right. Trojan War. You can cut that Trojan Horse part. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like that documentary told the story of the season because it it's all about USC. Even though Texas won the game, and this this documentary obviously is made in hindsight, knowing that Texas won, but in spite of that, it's still 90 minutes of USC. And I felt like that was what the whole season was. It was USC, USC, USC. Texas was in the background, kept winning quietly, but everybody wanted to talk about the team in Southern California. And with reason, they had the most exciting player in college football. They had, like you said, two Heisman Trophy winners. They had Pete Carroll. They had Snoop Dogg on the sideline. They had a lot going for them. But when I think about that season and this game, 
it brings to mind a quote by Mark Twain. And what he says is, it's not what you don't know that will kill you. It's what you know for sure that ain't true. <laughs> and I felt like as college football fans, we were all victims of that this year because everybody thought this USC team was maybe going to go unbeatable. down like, as that was the best the thought, team of all time. That was what I thought. I remember thinking about them. Like, they were just unbeatable. Like, anytime you watched a game of theirs, when you thought that they might lose, they just were unbeatable. They were mm -hmm. invincible. Yeah. The whole time is what I thought. It, it, early on in this game, it shows a mind-boggling statistic that Matt Leiner was 37-1 and one as a starter. 37-1. and one. So, I mean... I don't know where that ranks in college football, like in terms of win percentage, total wins as a starting quarterback, but I can't imagine that it's very far outside the top Yeah, three I mean, the only other ones that I can think of that could possibly come close... A.J. McCarron had a pretty great record with Alabama. I don't know what it was. I, I, I don't think he started 38 games, though. Uh, I wonder what Ken, Dorsey rec Ken Dorsey's record with Miami was. Yeah, his was probably right around there. But I can't, again, I, I don't know that there would ever be a better record than 37-1. and one. And so USC, they felt unbeatable. I think we decided the one loss was against Cal. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, there was the infamous bush push against Notre Dame. That, that was happened this controversial season. that happened this season, which which would have been, you know, a, a second loss potentially. But well, full disclosure, I watched that thirty for thirty in preparation for this because I thought that was necessary. And what's what's funny about that is that it does a whole you know kind of segment on that game against Notre Dame earlier in the season. So they 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 get this dramatic win, you know, a quarterback sneak at the end, liner gets into the end zone, put Bush pushes him in there, which was illegal. You know, that's against the rules, but... But it's legal now, right? It's legal now, I believe, but even then, I mean, like, who would have known to call that? I don't yeah. think there was a soul in the stadium that knew that was against the rules. Yeah, it's a stupid rule. But too. after that game, it shows this clip of someone interviewing Liner on the field after, and he just basically says, he's like, we don't know how to lose. It's not in our nature. And that was exactly what they were. That's Especially after that game. It was manifest destiny. Like, they just couldn't be beat. If there was one team that was going to dethrone USC... It was going to be Notre Dame with God's aid. Yeah. <laughs> with touchdown Jesus in the background. <laughs> anyway, so the pregame for this, Keith Jackson, Dan Fouts were the ones on the call. Uh, just a brief word on them quickly. It, it seemed like Keith was probably at the end of his career. Yeah. Um, and you and I both felt like we were underwhelmed with them. And the famous old arena is packed. I mean packed. Just getting here today was an ultimate challenge. The sky is clear, the beauty of the sunset, the color of the game, the orange of Texas. Growing up, my dad always would talk about how great Keith Jackson was, and he was always so excited to watch the Rose Bowl because Keith Jackson would be on the broadcast. And his voice does kind of give it a, a tone of authenticity and nostalgia, but, you know, they didn't add to the moment. I, they, they, I didn't feel like they did a good job of capturing the greatness that was happening before them. And which maybe they didn't know how, how this game was going to be remembered, but it was true. The urgency wasn't quite there for them. I mean, they're both smart guys. Like Dan Fouts, I thought was smart. He, was, he, he did a good call. He was actually – so I was underwhelmed by Keith Jackson, but Dan Fouts probably exceeded expectations for me. I mean, he's done NFL games since, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but I thought he was pretty good. 
Yeah. And then we had Todd Harris and Holly Rowe on the sidelines. Holly Rowe obviously still works for ESPN. I'm not, couldn't tell you what's happened to Todd Harris. I don't know that I've ever heard of his name before or since then. But <laughs> the great pregame atmosphere. The question I wanted to ask you about the pregame was, you know, just when, from watching the, sh- watching the game and then thinking about it, I don't know that there's a better stadium or venue in the country than the Rose Bowl. It, the Rose Bowl is iconic. You've been there. I've been there. I have not been there. But it is iconic. Obviously, that kind of neon lighting that they have on the outside of the stadium is fantastic. But with, with like the, the setting, the area that you're in, the weather, the field, the stadium, the, the, the occasion that is the Rose Bowl, there's not a better game in the, in the country. There's not a better stadium, I don't think. And then the, the only other note that I had from the pregame was that USC came in on a 34-game winning streak. One of the longest in the history of, of college sports. Definitely one of the longest in like modern history. You know, you go back to the early 1900s when Harvard and Yale like went on 80 something game winning streaks. But this is in modern history it was one of the longest winning streaks we've had. Yeah, and and still is. And Texas, of their own right, is on a 19 game winning streak. Of course, in comparison with kind of all of the pregame noise leading up to this game, nobody's talking about Texas on a 19 game winning streak. And w- Granted, when USC's won 34 games in a row, that's almost twice the amount of games that Texas has won in a row. But Texas, I get the feeling, was feeling disrespected going into this game. And they didn't talk about that, which credit to them, because I think people get sick of hearing about how certain great teams feel like they're disrespected. But I do think Texas definitely comes into this game with a chip on their shoulder. And I thought they played like that throughout. One thing that was interesting that I thought during, from the 30 for 30 from Trojan War was during that Bush-Push game, USC and Notre Dame, Texas had just finished their game and were in the locker room watching the end. And Mac Brown is on it telling the story that when the, he walked into the, the locker room, they're all huddled around the TV watching and they're cheering for USC. And he kind of asked them why. He says, we want to play them undefeated. We want to play them in the championship game undefeated. And that's what make made a great team i thought made them a great team was that they didn't just want to win the title they wanted to beat the best team they it was like you know a boxing it was like a boxer contender the only way that you can get the belt is by beating the champ and they wanted to beat the champ you know winning the title in any other way to them felt less than you know they wanted to beat usc undefeated in the rose bowl but the game kicks off quarter one and at at kickoff Keith Jackson says a uh, something I kind of like this thought was weird. Is, we're going to play football. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe showing his age a little two, bit yeah, there, I guess, I suppose. But <clears throat> anyway, USC received the opening kickoff. Uh, there was a question now. They started with this storyline of obviously – Casual fans and even non-football fans are turning this game on just to see Reggie Bush. And from the very get-go, they were questioning, would they kick the ball to Reggie? Would they even kick to him? This guy was so dangerous. Did they even want to put the ball in his hands? And they did, and he was downed inside the, well inside the 20-yard line. Yeah. And so Texas demonstrates from the very beginning that they are not afraid of Reggie Bush. And then to top that off on the very first play of the game, uh, offensive play of the game, that is. It's a handoff to Reggie again, and he loses two yards, and he gets hit hard. And so Texas obviously was I've looking at Reggie yeah. as the heart and soul of that team, and they wanted to punch him out. Which he was. 
you know, he won the Heisman that season. Uh, you know, I went to BYU and the USC played BYU this season in Provo. I went to the game and he was, I've said a million times since, he's the best college football player I've seen live and probably on TV either. I mean, he was that dynamic and explosive mm -hmm. and electric and everything about him was just college football greatness, royalty. Uh, but anyway, that first possession, USC's first possession, like you said, that first play, Bush gets a, a negative yardage. They end up going three and out. Um, but they're saved by a muffed punt by Aaron Ross, Texas punt returner. USC recovers that on the Texas side of the field. And then a long pass from Leinart to their fullback, Kurtman, whose first name I didn't care to note, <laughs> last name Kurtman, uh, gets the ball down to the six-yard line, and then Lendell White punches it in, which was actually his 55th career touchdown. So Lendell White has monster numbers, and he was co totally unappreciated on this USC team because everybody was so enamored with Bush, but White was a horse. He put up huge numbers, and honestly, I think for many teams, he was almost as difficult to deal with. I mean, he wasn't quite the game-breaker that Reggie was, but he would absolutely grind you out for four quarters, and... He was when you got inside the red zone. I mean, he was unstoppable. He was a he was a, an absolute touchdown machine. I think Lendell White is one of the more interesting storylines from this game, in terms of what he did and what he didn't do. I think looking at the end of the, you know, at the end of this podcast, looking back on the game, that's going to be one of my biggest questions. But uh, we'll get to that you know later on. But anyway, he scores a first touchdown of the game, um, puts USC up seven nothing early. They're going to run it with White, and Lendale walks in. Uh, Vince Young finally gets on the field. He was, I mean, look, we Liner was 37-1 and one as a starter. That's incredible. Vince was 29-2. and two. By the end of this game, he was 30-2 and two as a starter. I mean, that's not as good, but not far off either. I mean, he was as dynamic as they come. Texas's first possession was less than impressive as well. They moved the chains a couple times, but got to a third and four. Um, went speed option, got stuffed, and then went forward on fourth and two and got stuffed again. Um, so their first two, I mean, their, their first time they touched the ball, they felt they muffed a punt, and the second time, the first time the, the actual offense gets out on the field, it's a turnover on downs. And so less than impressive start from Texas. One thing that we should bring up right now, because I haven't noted, we loved, we both talked about how we loved the mesh jerseys. Okay, so I've and, got and the dark visors. I've got a list of things that okay. I loved seeing okay. from this game. Well, not all that stuff that I loved seeing. Some of it's just nostalgic stuff that kind of makes me smile. Um, but yes, the Oakley visors uh, that for the most part were dark. Like Lindell White's visor is so dark, dark it's black dark, as dark, night. Dark, yeah. Um, and then a bunch of the USC guys had amber visors. You could see Dwayne Jarrett rocking those. They SC was infamously rocking their black cleats with white laces. Uh, they had their gray Nike gloves. They This was back in the day when you would see guys wearing cut-up cut, cut up socks and sleeves as wristbands. Um, they had the Nike chin strap sleeves, which Vince Young wore inside out on his chin strap. Uh, I also noted that Matt Leinert had an Adams brand chin strap, which I feel like today would only be seen on a Little League football player. Mockery, yeah, that would be... Um, the Rose Bowl was the Rose Bowl by City, which I believe today it's the Rose Bowl presented by Northwestern Mutual. Yeah. I mean, okay. as those bowl games, yeah. they, the, sponsors the sponsors rotate so time, much. Yeah. Um, 
they had the original Rydell Revolution helmets, which were not aesthetically pleasing. They looked gigantic, but that was funny to see. Uh, BCS stickers on helmets. Obviously, the BCS is a thing of the past. Uh, the USC cheerleaders were magnificent as always. <laughs> they had a nice uh, rose bouquet on their sweater, as is tradition with the Rose Bowl. On the sideline, so you have Pete Carroll coaching USC, Mac Brown coaching Texas. On the side of their headsets is the Singular logo, which Singular Wireless, that little orange guy, has now been bought, out, bought by AT and T, I believe. <laughs> yes, a lot of a lot of old stuff. Um, but anyways, just lots of classic stuff. Which I mean, when this game was played, you and I were fourteen or fifteen, so we were you know trying to we were in the exactly heyday like these guys as we little league of yeah. our little league football careers yeah and i remember doing that same thing mm-hmm. i wanted to wear my my wristbands on my elbows like reggie bush did yeah you know and those were things like yeah those that's nostalgia to its finest right there anyway so usc gets the ball back um they went short on a third and ten but were helped by a face mask on reggie bush that helped advance the drive um they went for it ended up going for it on fourth and two on the texas 17 yard line and did not convert. Yeah, I feel like since Texas went for that first fourth down and were stopped, I felt like that set the tone early of desperation where both teams were going to push the envelope so much on offense that it almost just created the the sentiment on the opposite sideline that they also needed to play with that kind of desperation. It Definitely, in hindsight, you know, maybe they should have taken the points. They probably should have. But you're right, interesting call by SC. So then we get a freshman, Jamal Charles, into the game. Um, the one thing that I noted right here was that Texas played exclusively out of the shotgun and were a zone read offense, maybe the first that really hit college football. The contrast, between the, especially offensively, between the two teams was, I thought was awesome. It was great to watch. Absolutely. You had Texas shotgun running the ball. Vince was dynamic throwing as well, but it was a lot of zone read, speed option, exclusively out of the shotgun. USC was almost exclusively under center. Mm -hmm. A lot of I formation or or a double tight ace formation. Fullbacks and tight ends. Fullbacks, tight ends, almost exclusively under center. Didn't I don't think that I don't recall them going out of the shotgun at all during the entire game. And they were equally as effective. You know, they kept the two announcers kept harping over and over again about the effectiveness of the two offenses. They both averaged over 50 points a game. And so it was just great to see, especially since that's basically extinct now, especially at the pro level. You don't see stuff like that ever. Even in college, it's much less, uh, you know, popular than it used to be. You know, maybe like you think about Stanford, maybe it still runs something like that. And U- USC still actually well did do that now graham harrell's their new offensive coordinator so i expect it will be quite different but i've I've always thought usc and to your point stanford have been some of those old-fashioned teams that not only did they play with fullbacks and tight ends but they used them and they used them effectively and in this game usc absolutely did that although texas's tight end had a bunch of catches um our boy david thomas (laughs) david thomas was a hero for texas uh but USC hits their fullback down the sideline on a wheel route a couple times in the game. They had huge athletic tight ends that created a lot of mismatch problems. So USC, they they were effective in, in playing what I guess we would call old school football. And Texas, equally effective with the new school 
uh, zone read stuff. And it was we talked about how Texas's offense was more like a stepping stone to what we have today. Yeah. It was the transition between what USC had, then you have what Texas had, and now you have what we see in college football today, where there's you know all the way there are wide receivers that touching each sideline. With four wide receivers on the field at once, a lot of speed and athleticism on the edges, and it's all about getting outside and getting your playmakers in space. What Texas did with this offense was a transition to that. It wasn't quite the same thing. You know, they still utilize the tight end quite a lot. They ran the ball a lot. You don't see a lot of speed option today in the NFL or in, in college football anymore. They just lined up and ran the speed option. And how great there was, was that it. to see it was the awesome. speed out? I mean, yeah. and. At this moment, I would like to talk about NCAA football if we're talking about the <laughs> yeah. speed option. Because as soon as that play happened, it immediately brought to my mind that that is the greatest play in what was the greatest sports video game of all time, which sadly is no longer being made. The speed option was the funnest play to run in NCAA football by a mile. And to see Vince Young go out there and execute it was a blast. I mean, the, the option is just an exciting play as it is because there's so much that can happen. And to watch Texas run that, I think, definitely brought a smile to each of our faces. Not only was it the, the best play to run in that game, but if you ran that play with, I can't remember what year it was, but with Pat White and Steve Slayton on West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, they was it was unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, they were that was great. Anyway, that was, yes, NCAA football. There's never a bad time to talk about it. That was the greatest video game, if not the greatest of all time. So like I said, the freshman Jamar Charles in the game. He's a future NFL star. His peak in the NFL was shorter you know, than most people's would be. He's he was a, back. I mean, he was an MVP But candidate. he was an MVP can. I mean, he was as dynamic a player as we've had the last decade. And I think we mentioned that if we had talked to anybody watching this game and told them that Charles would turn out to be a better pro than Reggie Bush, uh, we would have gotten slapped. I mean, yeah. nobody would have believed that. So that was just interesting. And we also mentioned the fact that USC had all these all-stars on, the, on their team. Hardly any of them panned out in the NFL. I mean, basically just the O-linemen that I can, that I can recall. And I guess they, they had a freshman, Brian Cushing, who was still a very effective linebacker in the NFL. But um, Texas had Charles, who was maybe the best pro in this game. I don't I don't remember if we decided who was the best pro. I mean, Michael Griffin played in Texas' defensive backfield, mm-hmm. and Michael Huff as well. They both had long. I think Griffin's still playing, mm-hmm. actually. Michael Huff had a long career with the Raiders. Um, and as we've seen, Jamal Charles' praises, he, his fumble nearly ended that drive right then. It was a loss of five yards, set up a third and ten, uh, which Texas did not convert. Um, and... That really brought the, the quarter to an end, and that was the first time Texas had been shut out in the first quarter all season. And Texas so, fumbled a ton in this game. So and it started with like, the muffed punt, yes. which basically, it's a fumble, you know. I guess it, was, it wasn't a muffed punt. He got caught it was a, and ran it was and a fumble. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Jamal Charles fumbled there. Didn't cost them, but still fumbled, which was one of 40,000 fumbles that the Texas had in this game. Yes. It was every possession that seemed like the ball was loose. And it wasn't a fluky thing either. I have here that the announcers mentioned that Texas had fumbled 30 times during the season. So how they managed to be undefeated is a miracle to me. <laughs> they recovered most of the fumbles in this game, and they must have recovered most of them throughout the course of the year. And so it must have just been one of those years where the ball bounced their way. 
And obviously that has to happen to an extent if you're going to go undefeated. But yes, Texas was careless with the football and uh, Charles puts it on the turf and it could have been extremely costly. So he puts it on the turf. They, that ends up stalling the drive. They didn't, there wasn't a turnover, but they stalled the drive. They didn't convert the third and 10. They punted. The first quarter ended. USC has the ball again at the start of the second quarter, and we get the first really, I think, impactful big play of the game, which was that they set up really a well set up screen to Reggie Bush. And he gets in the open field. It's 7 nothing USC at this time. He gets into the open field, which is where he was just as good an open field running back as I can remember in college football. He gets out there and, and is making his way down there. He's going in to score, basically, gets stuffed up like right inside the 10 it looked like by a couple of texas defenders and inexplicably and stupidly incredibly like i don't even know I, I don't have any words for it tries to lateral to his teammate he's trying to lateral the ball is what he was doing keith he saw a teammate out to the side and flipped the ball out there and texas has got it second fumble on the year for reggie bush just trying to do too much. He had a fantastic run on this play, and he's got to be upset with himself for that bonehead play to try to get more out of it. Number 48. <laughs> Whoever that is, like, uh, the announcers didn't know who it was. I mean, Fullback just... number 48 in NCAA football speak. Yeah. And uh, ends up being a turnover. USO, we go from USC going in to score to go at 14-0 which potentially could take the air out of Texas, who had been stymied basically the entire game up to this point, to it being this big momentous play where Reggie turns it over, Texas gets it back. Um, they eventually score on the drive, but USC, I mean, Reggie Bush, what, what can you say? I mean, what, what are you doing? I, I've never heard him speak about that play in hindsight. I would love to, to hear what he had to say about it. But I think he was just as flabbergasted at what he attempted as everybody watching. And, I mean, here we are watching who many people think is the greatest college football player of all time make an incredibly stupid mistake in the biggest game of his entire life to this point. And I do think he still had an effective game and a great touchdown run that we'll talk about later. But I do think that mentally this took a toll on him that he didn't even know why he did it or he, he couldn't explain it either, that it was just such a weird decision that he made to desperately try and throw a chest pass to this number 48. It almost felt like he kind of lost his swagger after that. He yeah. lost that kind of killer instinct that he had had. That was the real effect, the biggest effect of it. I mean, I'll be, a turnover is a turnover. Texas ended up scoring the next drive, but it really you were right. It really affected Reggie, I think, mm-hmm. mentally the rest of the game. I think he kind of was pressing from then on to kind of make up for that mistake, which, I mean, <laughs> that's a huge, huge mistake. You're going in to take a two-touchdown lead, and all of a sudden it's tied, you know, four minutes later. Um, Texas put together a great drive after that. Vince was magnificent with the arm and legs. Another fumble stalled the drive for Texas inside in the red zone, stalled the drive. So Texas actually, you know, to correct what I was saying earlier, only kicked a field goal on this on this possession that uh, made the score 7-3 USC with 10 minutes left in the half. Um, so both teams averaged over 50 points a game, like I said earlier, but uh, in really different ways. And at this point in the game, neither of them is scoring to the, the, the rate or the pace um, that they're accustomed to throughout the season. The kind next, of sloppy. Yeah, sloppy, you know, mistakes, fumbles, muff punts, um, you know, <laughs> failed lateral attempts. 
which wasn't the only lateral attempt in this game, which yes, we'll get to in a minute. We will, we will get to that, which it's funny, and I, I just, in, in hindsight, I thought it was the only lateral attempt of this game, the play that we're about to talk about. I don't remember it being a lateral, but after seeing it, it absolutely was. Really, the only player that that wasn't sloppy to this point was Vince Young. And although he did play a part in some of these fumbles, I had that he was 8 of 8 through the air and had carried the ball three times for 30 yards at this point. And Vince Young, they said, led the, led the country in passing efficiency, which for some reason there still existed this storyline, and I don't know if it was a stereotypical thing or what or the fact that he was so good with his legs, but people didn't people weren't super confident in his arm and he didn't have this beautiful over the top release. It was a little bit sidearm and he was a little bit flat footed when he threw the ball, but this guy could, he was, I mean, he kind of picked USC apart through the air. And so I don't really know why that was a story when he had led the country in passing efficiency, but young was dynamic throughout the whole entire game through the air and on the ground. It seemed like any time that he carried the ball, it it was never the first guy that got him down. He would break tackles or make guys miss. It just seemed like it it was the third or the fourth guy who attempted to tackle him that finally got him. And, I mean, I felt like he was really the only guy that was kind of living up to the bill to this point in the game. Um, so USC gets the ball back after the made Texas field goal. This And then this next drive for USC is where I felt like uh, Lendell White kind of started to put his stamp on the game. Mm-hmm. And they USC was just churning the running game. And that was the, the, kind of their MO. You know, in terms of production we see from college football quarterbacks today, you know, Matt Leinert's actual production in terms of touchdowns wasn't great. I mean, he threw 27 touchdowns through seven picks. You know, that's good. But that's not, you know, in terms of looking at it through today's scope, right? You know, that's kind of the premise of the whole podcast is to look at it, what we know now. You know, that production's not, not you know, elite, I guess I would say. It's not, you know, right up. Maybe back then it was, but that it was because USC's running game was what was their MO. It was their, you know, their, their staple. And their passing game came via play action. And so this is when Landale White really started to put his stamp um, on the game. USC is driving down to score again. Um, and then we get this great play, this great interception by Michael Griffin, which was initially called incomplete, but eventually overturned. Take a look at it. You can see Smith is open for a short time. There comes Griffin. That's an interception, folks. He had one yeah, foot down. That right foot down, and the whistle blows. They're going to have to take a look and give Texas the ball at the 20. And we talked about the lack of instant replay in that Jazz Bulls game. And here, in this game, instant replay was a factor. And, for example, today, every scoring play is reviewed. That was not the case in this game. But... They did make the decision in the booth, whoever that was, to review that interception. It was a huge play. Great across-the-field interception by Griffin. He gets one foot down, inbounds, just inside the end zone and inside the pile on. And it was one of those things when they were reviewing it, you could hear the Texas fans erupt. And so you knew, replay, yeah. you knew that he was inbounds. And so that was, you know, that was a really great dynamic play, and in another kind of momentum shifting play, USC's going in to go go up fourteen to three, 
And again, to make it another two possession game when they couldn't do it. And then you get this interception, and then later on in that drive is when this 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 lateral from Vince Young actually happened. You know, Texas kind of tore their way through the down the field. It was a quick drive, run pass combined, and then the the, the scoring play. You know, Vince I believe was scrambling, just scrambling, um, running inside the ten yard line, and laterals to Selvin Young. <laughs> Uh, for the second lateral that you that you see in that game, now his Vince's first of all it was completed. Selvin Young caught the ball, scored on the play. Mm-hmm. Upon you know looking at the replay, his knee was down before he released that ball, and the announcers were couldn't believe that it wasn't reviewed. And looking back on it, you know the fact if that happened today, if that play wasn't reviewed, that would be outrage, outrage of epic proportions. Um, not who's to say that you know Texas they, like I said they kind of tore their way through the field down the field that drive and they would have scored I think no matter I think what so too. but uh, you know the question you know needs to be asked about what happens what if is? that's reviewed yeah anyway USC gets the ball so now we've got uh, Texas actually missed the extra point on that touchdown kicking woes in this game for Texas and, kicking woes and I don't know that Keith Jackson did say this but it seems like in my experience watching football with my dad anytime anybody misses misses a kick. He quotes Keith Jackson saying, oh, that could come back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a feeling that, you know, Texas, largely because of this missed extra point, couldn't really trust their kicker, which does become a factor through the game. Mm-hmm. Um, after this touchdown, I did note as a sign of the times that the song they played going into commercial was Vertigo by U2. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was a blast from the past there. That was, yeah. Which is a great song <laughs> yeah. from a great band. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, you mentioned it already, and I just had noted it now, that Vince's size was really causing trouble for USC when he carried the ball. I mean, he's like, he, he was he was like Cam Newton. I he, mean, he, he was, was like Cam Newton. That's a great and comparison. And when he ran, it didn't look like he was running fast. Uh-uh. But his legs were so long that he just churned up this yardage. And they people were diving at his ankles all game. Mm-hmm. Frosty Rucker, in particular, who we'll talk about more, but he was mentioned several times throughout the game as diving at Vince and not being able to get him. And little did he know that he would be posterized later in the fourth quarter, <laughs> um, diving at Vince Young's <laughs> ankles as he waltzed into the end zone. I I did note. I mean, Vince, like to your point, he was huge, and his size you could tell affected Texas so much. Even in the passing game, when guy they would they sent a DB on a blitz who just wrapped Vince up by the waist, and Vince was completely unbothered by it, like he didn't even move. And I also noticed that or noted that in practice, they said that USC used Fred Davis, who was one of their starting tight ends, to be Vince Young during the practice that week. And uh, if you ever see it, Google a picture of Fred Davis, he's six five, two hundred and forty five pounds. Not much bigger um, than Vince. Vince was also huge, but obviously he was just an imposing figure, and he absolutely imposed his will on this game. So USC then, after that Texas touchdown, USC goes three and out, momentum firmly on the side of Texas. After the interception, the lateral touchdown, and now the three and out for USC. Texas really got tough on the running game that possession. Texas took over at the 49-yard line. Um, and ended up scoring on a 30-yard touchdown run by Vermont's Taylor, who I had never heard of him before and haven't since. So that made the score 16-7 to Texas with two minutes left. Um, USC obviously getting the ball back. Texas, like I said, was tougher on the run, but USC was kind of sticking to it a little bit. 
Um, they're driving to score, USC is, with one minute left in the half and are stalled by two sacks mm-hmm. by Texas. But they did get a field goal just before halftime, which made it 10-16 to 16 was the score at halftime. We kind of buzzed through the last four or five minutes there. But um, in summary, you know, Texas, once they – once you know, really – I mean, I hate to say it and, and to keep hitting this point, but from the Bush lateral on, it just felt like the momentum was with Texas. Now, there's a, the there's confidence a point, was with Texas. There's a point when SC gets it back, which is part of the reason why this game was so great was because of lead changes and momentum going back and forth. But from that moment in the first half when Reggie made that lateral, Texas had complete control of the game physically and emotionally. And you could feel it and you could from both sidelines, it seemed like that, that, that SC just didn't quite have some of that swagger that they've, they had had for the last 38 games or whatever it was, 34 games winning in a row. So looking at our halftime stats then, I mean, it, it, you just look at Vince's line, and he was 13 for 15, 113 yards through the air, 60 rushing yards. You know, Leinart was, yardage-wise, was good. He threw for 147 yards in the mm-hmm. first half, but I think in terms of efficiency and percentage from your quarterback, not great. 13 he for had 21, the pick in the end zone. And the, and the interception in the end zone. I mean, he was doing, I guess you could say, I mean, he was managing the game the way that he always had throughout the season. Like I said, their staple was the running game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sounds funny to say that because Matt Leiner himself won the Heisman the year before. But with the kind of the emergence and like this dominance of Lendell White and Reggie Bush, his job was greatly simplified. And in terms of his efficiency in the first half, it wasn't great. Um, you know, he had missed on eight passes. He threw the interception and he just was kind of blah, you know, like he just was out there and hadn't done anything worthy of being called the Heisman Trophy winner for sure. He he did take a hard hit in kind of toward the latter end of the first half where he, he was he was scrambling, which was something that you rarely saw Leinart do. And as he was going to the ground, he was trying to give himself up, um, but a Texas guy was pulling him down. A and black there was, today. Yes. Maybe an injection. It could have been. A, a defensive back on Texas got him as he was going to the ground and so in, rather than just sliding, he slid right into the shoulder pad of this Texas defender, and you could tell that it really bothered Leinert. So that was the, the status kind of at halftime. Texas was playing with confidence, with emotion, with momentum. USC has DNA, championship DNA, and you knew they weren't going to panic. You know, this is seven of the wins that they had in this win streak were come from behind wins. Mm-hmm. And against good teams. Against good teams, yeah. And you just knew, you know, they, were, they weren't going to panic. They were going to come out. They were going to play the way that they always had. And that was exactly what they did. They came out in the first – Texas received the first half. The first thing they did, USC forced a three and out. Um, defend, better defended that speed option that we had talked about. And then they were just impressive on that first drive. You know, Liner was composed at a couple really nice throw. The long run by Lendell White. The great stiff arm. With a great stiff arm set up a touchdown, one of his second touchdown on the next play, which made the score 17-16. And just like that, you know, this was a championship team coming out and saying, look, we know you guys are good, mm-hmm. but we're the champs. You know, we're better. And I love it when teams do stuff like that. Yeah. I love getting a chance to witness a team's championship DNA. Which is what that that's the best way that I can describe what USC was. They were a championship team with with winners out there. They were they were the defending champs, and here they were defending that title. The two time defending champs. Yeah. And you just knew they weren't gonna back down. And the, from the first possession, first two possessions of the second half, it was evident. Um 
US or Texas rather gets the ball back. Um, some good running from Jamal Charles in there. Vince gets Texas down into the red zone. Um, and then you kind of started to notice that USC was was struggling with the pace that Texas was playing. They were kind of going no huddle, just getting up to the line, running, pounding the ball, mixing in play action and passing. But USC's defense really started to struggle with the, the pace and the no huddle of Texas at the time, who just were faster. And by the admission of the, the USC players in Trojan War documentary, they just said, we weren't ready for their speed. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just were fast. And... Um, and that drive ended in a Vince fourteen yard scramble in the end zone around the uh, right side of the de- or at the left side of the defense, the right side of the offense, which Young seemed to find freedom on that right side throughout the entire game. And when I when I saw this touchdown, it looked eerily similar to the one that's immortalized in in at the end of the fourth quarter. And they are different runs, but he seemed to scramble to the right anytime there was trouble. Or even before trouble arose, sometimes I feel like even before he got the snap, he knew in his mind, okay, I'm going to take my three-step drop, I'm going to look the safety off, and then I'm going to run right. And it worked for him over and over again. USC's passing game really started to get the ball moving. Like I, you know, I'd mentioned that Liner was just mediocre in the first half. He comes out in the second half and completed ten in a row and goes twelve of thirteen and went twelve yeah, of thirteen. Yeah. yeah, and was you know, and then with six minutes left, and they get down. USC gets down in the red zone once again. Lendell White scores on a fourth and one, actually. Fourth down and one with White, the deep back. Big play here, folks. Goes to White, runs up the middle. That'll do it. Touchdown! And he gouged the Texas defense on this drive. It, he it, was dominant. It he felt was like he was the most better than Bush player. at this point. Yeah. It was like uh, if if you had been watching Bush turn on, if you had turned on this game expecting to see Reggie Bush, you would have been like, "Who is this guy?" Because Lindale White is breaking off 11, 12, 8, 6 yard runs throughout this entire drive as Texas or as USC rather goes down to score to make it 31-23. I've got it as 24-23. 24-23, I'm sorry. 24-23 USC. Yeah, he was, I mean, like you said, if you had never watched college football before and you just heard about this Reggie Bush person and then you watched this game, you would think that he was number 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, Lendale White was just ground and pound. Uh, I, you know, I don't have his complete numbers, but he averaged close to seven yards of carry in this game. Uh, he was that forceful i've got his numbers do we want him right now yeah go ahead so lindale white had 20 carries for 124 yards and three touchdowns in this game i mean that's that's beast that is beast mode numbers right there and um so yeah but anyway he you know gets in he gets the carry on the fourth and one scores on that play you know that was from outside that was like from the probably i want to say like the 15 16 yard line again usc no faith in the kicker this is kind of what they had done all year, however. Uh, Lindell White gets the carry. Third touchdown of the game. USC is up with four minutes left in the third quarter. They're up 24-23. Um, another long run by Vince Young on the next possession gets Texas into the red zone. A long run. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a 30, 40-yard run. Mm-hmm. Got them down into the red zone. At that point in the game, with one minute left in the third quarter, he had 150 rushing yards already. Um the drive was stalled after a tackle for a loss by your boy, Frosty Rucker. And then Texas missed a field goal on that possession. So, again, um, that could come back to haunt you. Texas getting punished for putting their faith in their kicker. Yep. And that really was the last play there of the third quarter. 
So it was a turnover on a missed field goal to start the fourth quarter. The, the, the score at the end of the quarter was 24-23 to 23 USC. Fourth quarter starts, and I felt like the fourth quarter, Dwayne Jarrett really started to get into the game. He did, and he was – we talked about Steve Smith. Jarrett was the star of this receiving corps. He was tall. He was intimidating. I mean, he, he was an absolute stud, and he – really started to make an impact and just overwhelm the Texas defensive backs. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, you know, he was just, yeah, like you said, dynamic and, and he really didn't do much the first half but the third quarter a little bit. And then in the fourth quarter really started to impose his will on the Texas secondary Um, started getting going. Texas, I have noted was doing a pretty good job of containing Bush on outside runs Mm -hmm. and that Michael Huff was kind of the person tasked with, keeping pace with Bush on place of the perimeter. And anytime he got outside the tackles, it was Michael Huff who was there making plays. And basically was, I don't know if this was the case, but it seemed at times that he was kind of spying Reggie Bush wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have that Texas had no answer for Lendell White. No answer. Like I said, averaging over six yards a carry. And just as I say that Texas had done a great job of keeping contain on Bush on outside runs, that same possession, Reggie Bush bounced it outside for, for one of the only times that he really got loose in the game. And uh, on a what was a 30-something yard run, uh, diving into the end zone. Flipping US, into the end flipping zone. Flipping into the end zone yes. much more, yeah. Giving USC a 31-23 to 23 lead. These officials from the Big Ten have ever seen anybody fly through the air like Reggie Bush can. This ball was designed to go right up the middle. It wasn't there, but this was. Stayed in bounds, airborne touchdown, Reggie Bush. Wow. Yeah, it looks like it was a 26-yard touchdown run. And, I mean, it, this was the play everybody wanted to see. Yes. It, and it happened in the first quarter, minus the lateral. And so here's Reggie doing what Reggie does, what everybody wants to see. He gets free around the sideline turns on the Jets, makes a guy missed, accelerates past a second defender, and flips into the end zone. I mean, it was a dynamic highlight play. And at this point, it feels like USC is starting to wrench control away from Texas. Maybe not entirely just yet, but it feels like SC obviously isn't going anywhere and that Texas really is going to have their hands full if they're going to try and pull off this upset. And next Texas play, like you said, and so Texas nearly turned it over again that next possession. Jamal Charles fumbled again. Uh, that play was reviewed and upheld, probably the right call, I thought. Um, Texas started moving the ball in chunks, kind of with the passing game. Like you said, your boy David Thomas, the tight end, who was an unsung hero of this game for Texas. I remember watching the game and thinking that Texas's tight end was having a good game, yeah. you know, when I was 13 years old. And... Uh, he you know, watching it again. That's absolutely true. I believe he had like nine, eight or nine catches in the game. I think he went ten for eighty-eight. Um, David Thomas, and it, it, you're right. It, it just felt like any time Vince was looking for an open receiver downfield, he found Thomas. And yeah, he led the team with ten receptions for eighty-eight yards. Uh, second was Linus Swede, eight catches. So even in that drive, the fumble bug got Vince who fumbled in the red zone and stopped the drive, was recovered by Texas. That drive ends in a field goal. So I don't know what it was at the 17th fumble by Texas so far in the game. I mean, they had some, they'd re- recovered most of them, but these are 
like three or They're four drive them. killers. Although yeah, although they recovered the fumble and didn't turn it over, it it ended drives, and uh, this one probably cost them a, a touchdown. And the drive ends in a field goal, so the score now is thirty six or twenty six to thirty one USC with nine minutes left in the game. It, it this field goal is a little bit dramatic because it was from almost the exact same spot where he had missed in the first half, but he does put this one through. A 34-yard field goal. USC gets the ball next, and it was I have the word that I used to describe this next drive was buzzsaw, that they just went right down the field. They were helped by roughing the passer call, which was also a good call, I thought, on Brian Arakpo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then Dwayne Jarrett scored on a 22-yard pass from Matt Leiner, who had been lights out in the second half. And uh, Dan Fouts, the killer commentator, called it a quote-unquote dagger. Going for it. Jarrett. Touchdown. You know, it felt, and it did, it, it felt, felt like, like it, it was. That felt like the play that broke the camel's back. This was the one that was like, okay, this is, this is over. I, I actually want to go back to the play before because USC finds their fullback again on a catch down the sideline for a 20-yard gain, and... On top of that, there was a roughing the passer penalty. And so the the catch and run was about a 30-yard play, and then obviously 15 yards on top of that. It just felt like as the ref moved the ball, as he walked that ball down the field, you could just feel the, the air go out of the Texas sideline because this turned out to be a 50-yard play, somewhat self-imposed. And then they get they find Jarrett on the what I believe was the very next play on a post route where he just goes up over two Texas defenders whose te- Texas's secondary, by the way, was impressive as can be. Like you said, they had Michael Huff and Michael Griffin who would go on to have long NFL careers. And Jarrett just goes over both of them. They both hit Jarrett in the back, but somehow both of them hit the deck and he was completely unbothered, comes down and just lunges and extends the ball over the goal line for the touchdown. And at this at this point, it felt like, okay... This thing might be over. The air, you know, Texas felt like they were demoralized a little bit. They, and they had a lot of injuries just in this game itself on defense, especially. A lot of their guys were cramping up, getting hurt. People were missing games. One guy broke his arm and didn't play uh, the rest of the game. And so it definitely felt like the momentum had permanently swung in favor of USC and that it was just a matter of time. You know, it, it happens all the time in, in sports today where you just, it's just, the same old thing, you know, it's like, okay, you're watching the end of a game and you're hoping for an upset, but at the end of the day, it's just the, the, the better team just kills it off. And they too win. Much. Yeah. Happens all the time. That's what it felt like what was about to happen. Um, but a little guy named Vince Young had something to say about that. Texas moves the ball with the passing game on that next drive. Um, he, I have noted that he should have been picked off by Ryan Ting. Uh, on that drive that was dropped. It was a it was a bad decision. He rolls out and then throws across his body across the field. Absolutely should have been intercepted. Um, but, yeah, huge break for Texas right there. So, yeah, the interceptions dropped. The end of that drive is a Vince scramble for 17 yards and a touchdown. Around the right end again. Around the right end with four minutes left. Almost exactly four minutes left that touchdown goes through. USC, if you're USC, Will, you get the ball. With four minutes left and you are up five, how do you kill this game off? What do you do? You give the ball to Lindell White. And what did they do? They 
drop back and <laughs> throw the ball. Which you when when this happened, you and I looked at each other like, why? What are they doing? Yeah. I mean, because like we, we've mentioned, and there's no need to, to, to go into it again, but Lendell White had been unstoppable up yeah. to this point in the game. And all you have to do is really, you feed him. You feed him the ball. And I know that things are different when it's the end of a game and the, the opposing team knows that you're going to run. It's easier to stop the run. I get that. But you have four minutes left. You need a first down, of course. You need a first, one, maybe two first downs in order to kill that game off completely. But you, you run the ball twice with Lendell White, probably. And then you have probably a third and four. And then get, you know, if you don't want to give it to Lendell, then give it to Reggie. Yeah. You have two options. And their first, I want to say it was the first play they came out and threw right away. I was, and we were, it was just like, what? Texas only had one timeout. Uh, but there should have, you know, there should have been less time when they got the ball back because all you had to do was run it. They threw it twice on that on that possession. I'm like, you know, that's I don't know. There's a lot of things. This feels like the fourth or fifth time I've said this, but that's something that if you're a USC fan, you're looking back and I'm like, what are we doing? You know, like that that might have cost us poor clock management. But even with that, USC has the ball fourth and two to win the game. I mean. You, you convert this fourth into you win the game. And the person that we've been saying that all they had to do was hand it to Lendell White, he got the ball on this play and was stuffed. But Lendell White's in there. He's the power back. He gets it. He didn't get it. He gets it, meaning he got the ball. That official right there is marking the ball, and he's marking it short of the first down. Texas football. So hindsight, obviously, this is you know the, the the perpetual question that is always asked in question in in situations like this. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but was it the right call to go for it? What would you have done, Coach William Osborne? Yeah, it's the right call to go for it because you want to be aggressive, and the aggressive team usually wins the game. And the strength of USC's team was their offense. Uh, they were a good defensive team. They were capable, but. When you've got a backfield as talented as they do and as experienced, I think going for it, definitely the right call. What about you? I go back and forth. I mean, there's two minutes left in the game. And just like USC's bread and butter was running, Texas has had been running as well. I mean, Vince was, was efficient passing, but their MO was also running the ball. And I think... It's fourth and two, and you're on. It's, you're on the 44 yard line. That's tough. I, I mean, I, I if it was if I was the coach, I don't think I had the nuts to go for it there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you 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 pump that ball away and trust your defense. Something that happened in that documentary in the 30 for 30 was something that was a much bigger deal than I realized. Was that everyone that Reggie Bush wasn't on the field on that fourth and two, that he wasn't out there. And this I is understand so strange. Why? Yeah. But. Put put him out there. I don't understand why. Um, We talked about NCAA football earlier, and this was something I was thinking about mentioning. Um, There was this storyline of where was Reggie going to be on the field because he was so exciting and so versatile that he could line up in multiple multiple places throughout the game. And I I didn't think that it happened that often, although they did spread him out a couple times or put him in the slot. But in NCAA football, he was actually a wide receiver in this game. They had Lendale White at running back and Reggie – 
played wide receiver in the video uh-huh. game, I just remember, which was oh, kind yeah. of funny. And so they did do that on occasion, but I don't feel like that was something that they exploited enough where if you put him in the slot, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, Michael Huff seemed to be following him wherever he went, probably the most effective tackler on the Texas team. You know that it's going to be in the back of their minds, and they're probably going to shift at least one, maybe multiple defenders to shade over to that side, and you can get the defense lean in one way. It's just more to think about. It's more It's more difficult for the captain of the defense, more, more difficult for the defensive coordinator, they absolutely should have had Reggie on the field at that point. Even if they're not going to give him the ball, have him on the field just to distract the Texas defense, use him as a, as a diversion. When asked about it in this documentary, they asked Pete Carroll, you know, why wasn't Reggie on the field? And he said, we just did exactly what we'd done all season <laughs> in situations like that. So the arrogance, again, of, yeah. of USC, they thought mm-hmm. they were unbeatable. Um, and, you know, they really just were an arrogant team. After every single one of their touchdowns, their guys were in the camera, talking to the camera. After every time we came back from break, it was a camera on the sideline with a USC guy, you know, all, all up in it saying, you know, shouting out his area code, whatever it was. I just felt like they were so full of themselves. Um, it, you know, they, they were they were arrogant, not in the way that they carried themselves, but in making just silly decisions like that and it came back to bite him and Lendale White when asked about that if he ever thought about that play he responded with every single day (laughs) I can't imagine having something like that that you just think about it every single day like that with regret um anyway they go for it fourth and two they get stuffed Uh, Texas takes over on the 44 yard line two minutes left so at this point the stage is set you know Texas knows what they have to do Field goal won't do it. You got to get in the end zone. You got time. You got a timeout left. Um, and you've got what they all thought was the best player in college football on your team. And the drive starts with an incomplete pass and a screen pass for a loss. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a less than illustrious start to this drive. Yes. They ended up with a third and 12, and the pass was complete to Quan Cosby and was short of the first, but a face mask on USC extended that drive, and it was a good call. So the, the drive is extended by the face mask. So you get a first and 10, and you get a pass complete to Brian Carter for nine yards. There's 57 seconds left at this point. Second and one, and Vince scrambles for a first. They Vince somehow gets out of bounds on this play. I have no idea how. Te- Texas just could not tackle him. They, there were guys diving at his ankles all game. He stepped through a couple tackles and just somehow got out of bounds, preserving their timeout, which was huge. So then that first and 10, the pass was complete again on a crossing route to Brian Carter for 12 yards, and that brought Texas down to the 14-yard line. So just like that, I mean, we're, we're well under a minute at this point, but they're down inside. They're in the red zone now. 45 seconds left is what I've got. 45 seconds left at the end of that play. And uh, so then you get – so now you've got – essentially, you know, if you're Texas, you're on the 14-yard line. You've got – with 47 seconds left, what, eight, six, seven, eight plays at yeah. least you, to get you, in the you, end zone? You've got, your, you've got pretty much your whole playbook open. Um, all they got to do is just get the ball into the end zone. And they start off by going with a jump ball to Linus Swede, your boy, in the corner of the end zone. He bobbles it and catches it out of bounds, though. Um, but this was an exciting play uh, to see them throw it up to Linus Swede. And the announcers had said that earlier in the season when Texas played Ohio State, this was a game that that was the, a play that won them that game was a jump ball in the corner to Linus Swede, who was tall and a big and a rangy wide receiver. Second and ten, 
uh, a QB, a designed QB draw Again. gets five yards. Yes. Yeah. And that was 30 seconds left at this point. Texas takes their last time out. And although it was only a five-yard game, Vince broke like three tackles on this play again. <laughs> uh, USC again demonstrating their total inability to tackle Vince Young in the open field. So then you've got third and five now at this point, and you get an incomplete pass intended for Lima Swede with 26 seconds left. So now you're faced with a fourth and five. And the stage is set, like I said before, but... This is, like we mentioned at the beginning, this is considered by many the greatest college football game of all time. By me, for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think by you as well. Yes. And here you have Vince Young. This guy who had been relatively, not unknown, but overlooked for the Heisman. Absolutely. Facing a team that was undefeated with a chance to leave his mark on history, on the history of college football. And it comes down to one play. And if you don't get this one play right, you're essentially Vince Young, if he doesn't score on this play, is going to be erased. Yeah, erased from history. He's forgotten. His name may never be spoken again, you know, especially not in the way that it's spoken of now. And so he had his moment right here, fourth and five, 26 seconds left with the national championship on the line. This was his moment. Fourth and five. I kind of feel like Joe. I'm too old for this. <laughs> Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. As we said, Keith, you can have the perfect defense called. You can force him out of the pocket, but you're not going to beat him. Invincible. 19 seconds left. And, you know, this was it wasn't a QB draw. It wasn't. It was a designed pass. He took the snap, dropped back to pass. The second things got sticky, he scrambled. I wonder if he even, like, before he took the snap, I wonder if there was any doubt in his mind that he wasn't going to run this thing in. Yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't look it, like it because it, it, it was the second. It was the second that one thing didn't go according to plan that he saw. He just tucked it. Yeah, and we kind of slowed it down and watched the play a couple times, and we're trying to figure out what happened to USC on this play. Because How do you they not have, have a spy? spy? Yeah, and it looked to us like they did have a spy. Yes. Um, who did did not do his job it. correctly? He yeah. blew it. <laughs> it looked like it looked like it was it was more of a blitz than a spy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I know that the way that to spy a quarterback is taught, where you kind of, you, you don't just wait for him, right? You kind of go up there and force them to go where you want them to go, and maybe that's what he was trying to do. But the second he moved into the line, it was Vince over. just went right around the edge. It was over, and. That play, I mean, that's that's the play, right? I mean, that's the play that you see all the time, that you see on highlight videos of dramatic moments in sports and whatnot. I mean, that was the play. Um, of note, 
Texas went for a two-point conversion to make it a three-point game after that, which was, guess, you guessed it, a Vince QB draw for the two-point conversion, mm-hmm. um, which made it 41-38 Texas with 19 seconds left. So quick note on Vince Young here. He runs this ball into the end zone to win the game. And in contrast to the USC players who were running directly to the television, to, to the camera, um, anytime they got into the end zone or just had a first down for that matter, Vince looks up into the crowd, and his face does not even twitch. <laughs> it was like a recently the Damian Lillard buzzer beater in the NBA yeah, playoffs. That, that viral was. picture of him just like it was, was exactly it was. like that. It was exactly like Lillard hitting that shot to to derail the Thunder franchise. Um, Vince was so zoned in, so focused, so confident in himself that he didn't have to go about and showboat and whatnot. Although he did that on the, on the stage after the 20, game, yeah. Uh, he just took in the moment right then, and and I thought that was awesome to see him after the biggest play of his career uh, just look up into the stands and appreciate that he had just dethroned the Giant. There were, however, 19 seconds left. There were. And you think about it today – and it seems like teams can get down into field goal range with almost any time. If there's a second left, they can get down into field goal range and get a kickoff. Yeah. And USC, their first play with the ball, they throw the little dump pass to Reggie Bush, who gets all the way down to the Texas 43-yard mm-hmm. line with eight seconds left. Yes. I mean, just like that. I mean, I don't know what Texas was doing. Were they just sitting way back looking for a, a I think long they were. They kind of something? They kind but, of were in a prevent. And so USC obviously was just taking what the defense was giving them. Reggie Bush in the open field is something they would take every day of the week, and so they did. And what do you know? He made something of it. And so it was interesting. You're right. The game was not a foregone conclusion at this point. And they call timeout and you know talk about it, whatever. And if you're calling a timeout at that point, you're, the conversation has to be about clock management. Know, yeah, I don't know what their plan was, obviously. But if you have eight seconds left, you're on the 43 that's plenty. That's plenty of time to get a decent sized pass down there, especially with Texas sitting way off. To get a, a pass down there, and you said it when we watched it. This game really should have ended in a field goal attempt. Yes, it's it's unbelievable that it didn't. With eight seconds, you can easily run two plays. And you know that next play, Liner drops out to back, drops back to pass, and kind of vacates the pocket. And then from that moment on, he's he's like he's this waving last his play. hand downfield yeah. for his guys to run down to the end zone. He because he decides that this is going to be the last play of the game. Pretty much is what happened. No one knew it. It yeah. looked like you know there wasn't there wasn't wide receivers streaking down the field. That play ends in him kind of just lofting it downfield, nowhere near the end zone, and an incomplete pass, and the game's over just like that. Line it, runs away from the pressure. Now he's going to throw it, and throws it high, and out of bounds, and the game is over. Texas has defeated Southern California 41-38 to to win the national championship of college football. An exhilarating game. Yeah. Just a great, great game. Um, the post game, you're left with the late John Saunders on stage. Yes. The man, the myth, the legend himself. May he rest in peace. And Vince Young, what I have noted was Vince with, in all caps, incredible amounts of swag. <laughs> I mean, he was. He's up there. He had his hat on. He has his championship T-shirt on. He's got his, his, his hat. He's holding what used to be one of the greatest championship trophies in college sports, which is the crystal ball. 
and he's carrying it like an actual football and posing. He's doing, doing the, the Heisman, Heisman pose. pose. Yeah, he's doing all that stuff. And then I also noted that We Are the Champions was blaring over the PA system, which obviously adds to any championship moment. Yeah. Um, was there anything in the post game that you wanted to, to talk about other than just that Vince just had this like swag, like just so much swag? <laughs> <laughs> and they asked him if he was going to the NFL. I'm not even going to try and and imitate his response, but it was it was just the classic, you know, I'm I'm not going to make that decision right we'll now see. response. But he he also does this dance on stage where he kind of waves his arms around and it's just it was just so funny. I mean, he had been so quiet. This Texas team had just been sitting in the background for the whole entire season watching USC in their locker room, hoping they would win for this moment. And they they did exactly what they had planned to do, and they were just they were just <laughs> lapping it up, and it, it was hilarious. It was it was fun to see those guys celebrate such a huge win. Anyways, uh, should we hand out some awards? Let's hand out awards. Ready for awards? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get started with good, bad, and sad. So a good moment, a bad moment, and a sad moment from the game. Let's do our goods first. I'll start. My good moment, which was the maybe probably the most underrated play in the game, was Michael Griffin's interception in the second quarter. Great, great. Moment. I mean, like you said, he came from all the way across the field, playing with speed. Like and you know, like we had said, USC hadn't quite seen the speed that Texas had. Flew all the way across the field, flying through the air to make that interception. Gets that one foot inbound to end a USC drive in which they were probably going to go score and take a two touchdown lead. And so that was a, I mean, that was a great play by him that doesn't get noticed or recognized hardly ever when you talk about this game. Yeah, that, that interception, it, when you see it, you, you remember it, but it, it rarely gets talked about just because everybody wants to talk about Vince. And, I mean, he took points off the board. This is a game-winning play uh, and just an incredibly athletic, great catch. Uh, my good moment, um, I'm going to give it to Reggie. Uh, his touchdown around the edge, I know, was in a losing effort, but this is what everybody wanted to see in that game. Everyone had seen on SportsCenter Reggie Bush running circles around a Fresno State defense. Well, here he is on the biggest stage, flipping into the end zone. It, it was just a, a really good moment for college football to kind of have that validated, and I feel like if he hadn't had that touchdown run, it takes away from the game because what everybody would be talking about, which people still do talk about this with reason, um, the lateral, uh, which is probably a good segue into the bad. I've got to think that's, that's, uh, well, my, my, that actually is not my bad. Okay. My bad is the last, like the last 19 seconds of the game when USC looked like they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, they get down, they, the first play, I guess was fine. They get down in the Texas end of the field, but that last play, I just I don't understand it. How and not everyone's not on the same page. I mean, if you're liner, you got to know that you take your drop back when your back foot hits the ground. You got to throw the ball, mm-hmm. even if it's out of bounds. You got to throw the ball yeah. to give yourself a chance. And that was te- like like we said, this game should have ended in a kick. I mean, today, even if they don't advance the ball, it probably ends in a kick because you know a sixty yard field goal in college. Yeah, few kickers can kick that, but still. Um, probably I mean, the best option yeah it's, it seems like in this game they were talking about 43 yard field goals like they were the edge of these kickers range it, I mean that's definitely something that's changed is and your bad was uh, Reggie's lateral uh, just an inexcusable play um, huge turnover kind of prevented USC from maybe 
running away with it. I, I don't think they would have, but just an inexplicable play from the Heisman Trophy winner in the biggest game of his career. The sads. Uh, my sad is actually that play. And okay. let me tell you why. Because Reggie Bush, like we've said, in my mind, is the best college football player I ever saw. And he was that elusive and dynamic and electric. And every time he touched the ball, you expected greatness. And he almost delivered every time he touched he did. the ball. He did almost deliver. And even in this play, he does. Yeah. He, just earlier in the play, I mean, the, just getting down there yeah. was 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 classic Reggie Bush, and you see things like this happen all the time in sports, where a great player is defined by one bad play. And I'm not saying that he is defined by this play, but this th- that play is a crucial, integral part of this game, and it was a huge blunder by him, and he didn't deserve it. You know, he was. The, the, the best player, the college football player of that decade. Um, and for me to see him do something so stupid was just, it was more sad to see that that he would, that that happened to him. You know, that was what was sad about that. You know, the goat of this game is probably Reggie Bush. Yeah. And he didn't deserve it, which was why that was my sad. I kind of am going a similar route. The sad is that Reggie, who won the Heisman, had this vacated for the silliest of reasons. And it's almost like you look back at this game with that play. Technically, he's not even in the record books of having won a Heisman Trophy. This guy was must-see TV early on in the game. I think it was on USC's first drive. He had a nice little seven or eight-yard run where he made this defender hesitate because he felt like Reggie was just going to put on one of his one-of-a-kind Madden juke stick moves. And Reggie actually just run right in, ran right into him and had a, had a few yards <clears throat> after contact. And the announcers in that moment compared him to a mix of Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. And <laughs> Which is about as high as praise Is, is there get. any higher praise than that? I mean, th- just unbelievable that this guy was so good he was so fast, so elusive, but also strong. Um, to d- just the way that his legacy has unfolded for college football is just kind of unjust. I feel like, and that's sad. So let's move on to what we're now decided to nickname the Dagger Award, which is for the the not necessarily like the biggest play in the game, but the play in the game that felt like it was the the the, the, the dagger, mm-hmm. the final blow. I guess you could say. And so I believe it's, it's the stab of the dagger, but not necessarily the twist, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so my biggest play was the fourth and two with two minutes left. My my dagger award is the fourth and two with two minutes left when Lindell White got stuffed, because that was, I mean, that was Superman getting stabbed with kryptonite. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was them. I'm sure that every player on the USC sideline thought that, oh, yeah, this is business as usual. We're going to come out here. Lindell White's going to ram it down their throat, and uh, we're going to be national champions for the third straight year. And then when that didn't happen, it felt inevitable that Texas was going to go score. And so that was why I felt like that was the dagger award play right there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. At the, the shift in momentum in that play cannot be overstated. It what the dagger would have been would have been if USC had won, the dagger plays that Dwayne Jarrett touchdown from a few drives before, where it felt like USC had complete control. Texas' the sideline was deflated. Uh, after this fourth down stop, 
it like it's almost looked like Texas's team stormed the field. They were they were celebrating so much, and the life that went into that sideline after that play was just a killer. So that was my. So yours was the same. Dago yeah. Award, the same play. All right, let's move on to the individual player awards. Then let's start with not the most valuable player, but the most detrimental player. You want to go first? Most detrimental player for USC was none other than Frosty Rucker. <laughs> and this guy turned out to be a good pro. He was a really good player. But it just unfortunately for him, he was outmatched against Vince Young in this game. And he was diving at his ankles from the first quarter to the last play of the game. Um, now, obviously, there's 11 guys on a defense. And I'm not trying to pin it all on Rusty. Uh, Frosty. On Frosty. But... This guy, just for some reason, was always in the area and not able to, to, to bring Vince down to the ground. So my most detrimental player actually comes from the winning team, which is new. And my most detrimental player is every Texas running back. <laughs> because every time they touched the ball, they were fumbling. Yeah. Uh, in the fir- especially in the first half. Vince Young had to carry the load, passing and running the entire game. Because every time a running back touched the ball, they screwed it up. Yeah. The leading rushing, the running back with the most rushing yards had 45 yards. That was it. No one had, none of them had more than seven carries because every time they touched the ball, it was hitting the deck. They were ending drives, they were stalling drives. And the fact that you, or uh, Texas rather, was able to win with it, with all the fumbles, says a lot about the team. But I mean, the, <laughs> it begs the question would this have been a little bit of an easier run for Texas if they had? Of all the running backs to just hold on to the freaking ball. Yeah, good point. All right, let's do most valuable player. It's Vince. Um, it couldn't be anybody else. He. I'll tell you what. It's Vince, but second place and not far off is David, David Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> because every big third down that they had, I felt like it was him. It was yeah. David Thomas had a great game. Uh, Vince Young though, nineteen carries, two hundred yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Through the air, he goes 30 of 40, 75% completion percentage for 267 yards. So he gets he racks up 467 total yards of offense, scores three touchdowns, does everything that Texas needs. I mean, like you said, outside of Thomas, there really wasn't a player that was super consistent for them throughout this game. The Texas receivers were pretty good. Uh, the running backs had their moments, but like you said... <laughs> their blunders far outweighed um, any good plays that they had. Vince, definitely the most valuable player, carried this team to victory. All right, let's do the icon moment then. Um, so this is this isn't necessarily like the you know the winning plays, and a lot of the games that we're going to be doing on this podcast are going to be plays that came down to the last moments, the last plays, and it's not necessarily the last play, but it's it's the the image from the game that is going to be immortalized forever. And, you know, being able to look back on this game now and seeing the way that it's been remembered since then, I think I can pretty confidently say that my icon moment is the camera shot of Vince standing on the bench with the confetti pointing to the crowd. Yes, and it's, it's That's from the one that back, you see right? all the time. Yeah, that is the That's one. the camera shot that you see. I mean, more than, than seeing the actual play itself, you just see that, that camera shot of him pointing to the crowd with the confetti. Yeah. That's my icon moment, my icon, like, I guess takeaway from the game is that camera shot because that's that's going to live forever. That's the glory. That that is the icon moment. That is the moment that has been immortalized from this game. I would argue that it shouldn't be as great of a shot as that is. 
I like the one of him after he had just run the ball in and his face just hasn't even his, his expression hasn't changed at all just because I felt like that reflects all of the work and the focus that Texas had through 13 games of this season to get to this point. Um, so whether you want to remember the, the triumph, the moment of triumph, or kind of look backwards at all of the hard work and the focus that had gone into this season to get them to this point, I felt like Vince's expression or lack thereof after that touchdown run really reflected that. So that's all we've got on the uh, agenda for this game. Anything else you want to add? Oakley Visors need to make a comeback. Definitely. I don't, I don't understand why they're not able to. I mean, I, I, I assume it's something to do with head injuries, yeah. being able to look into the eyes of the player, but those are great. Definitely need to come back. So thank you so much for listening uh, to Sports Rewind. This is episode two. Make sure you listen to episode one, which was the 1996 NBA Finals between the game six between 1998 NBA Finals. Game six. Game six. There we go. Between the Jazz and the Bulls. Um, that's Michael Jordan's last title that he won. Uh, make sure you go listen to that one. If you like our show, if you like listening to this podcast, please, please, please go leave us a rating. And wherever you're listening, if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening or consuming this podcast, please, please go leave us a a rating. And uh, if you would like to engage with us on this at all, leave us a review and let us know what games you'd like us to do. Um, We're always looking for new games that we can can, uh, watch and we're – students of sports and we like to watch all kinds so leave us whatever suggestion comment you'd like let us know what games you'd like to hear us do and and we might just do it so thank you again for listening make sure you rate and review subscribe um episode three coming up um we've got so much planned for the rest of this first season and there's going to be some great games so make sure you you stick around and listen to all those all right see you guys next time thanks thanks